Hi, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And I am here with my favorite person in the whole world, Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hey, Joe. How you been today? All right. I am excellent. Thank you for asking. You know, it's a real pleasure in any time of May to get Megan on the phone because she's so busy planning the Cause Market Informed Conference. I mean, everything hinges on this girl when it comes to the conference. I don't know about that, but I am very busy and I, but I'm excited to be here because we have a fabulous guest today. Yeah, and we, we do have a fabulous guest today. And, you know, I'm thinking about the best way to describe this guy in the cause marketing field, Megan. And I think of all the cause marketers out there, he is the guy with the best hair, Chris For Jarvis. Sure. Hey, Chris, how's it going? <laughs> it's going great. <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, did introdu- you? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't expect that, did you, Chris? No, I did Chris, not, not I, at all. But, but you will admit that you have fabulous hair. Oh, occasionally it works. Yes, okay. I, that's what I understand. I see it in pictures. I'm very envious. I just wanted to let you know. Okay. But Chris does not only have fabulous hair. He is El Jefe, the boss at Realized Worth. And this company gets employees to show up for company social responsibility programs. Right, Chris? Absolutely. That's what we do. Tell us more about Realized Worth and what you folks do. Well... You said it already, so I can I can add to that. <laughs> well, it's nice to see that underneath all that hair, you know, there's some substance. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I usually, I don't have to talk about things usually. Okay, so uh, typically, yeah, we, so uh, usually the companies that we work with are larger uh, brands. Uh, they're international, uh, and they've got some sort of social focus or they've got a CSR program um, that's been in place for years. And typically these companies have a long and uh, storied history of getting their employees uh, involved in the community and they're very philanthropic. But now with the shift to integrate and be focused and be strategic and fold it into CSR and be better corporate citizens, they're trying to be a bit more intentional about it, which is great. Except nobody gave the sent the memo to the employees and and their participation <laughs> rates tend to be a little low. So we, we go, that's what we do. We go in and we help them design programs that are really interesting for their employees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, one of the things that you and I have talked about recently when it comes to employee engagement programs is dollars for doers programs, which yeah. is money for nonprofits for the yeah. employees that volunteer. And you have written some two or three great articles on your blog about this, talking about how this is a popular program with businesses, but getting employees to use it and take advantage of it, it's been a real struggle. It is, yeah. So CECP puts out a study uh, giving uh, in numbers uh, each yep. year. And, and what is CECP? What was that again? Uh, you put The Committee to Encourage Corporate Philanthropy. That's right. That's right. I just wanted to make sure for our, our listeners they know what it is. Yeah. Well, and it's less about philanthropy now, uh, Mm -hmm. and it's more about CSR and corporate citizenship. Um, Mm -hmm. But it started with Paul Newman a few years back, and that's the word everybody was using. So, But they put out a great report every year, and in the report, they observed the past uh, two or three years, um, the participation rate is somewhere between 7% and 8% for these dollar-for-doer programs. Wow. They're great. They're yeah. Great incentives, but people just don't take advantage of them. Yeah, and this is like this is like free money on the table, though. Yeah, you know, for employees volunteering and stuff like that. You know, one nonprofit had said to me though that sometimes the paperwork for those types of programs are really cumbersome, and that's why oh. they don't take advantage of it. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, somebody, uh, you know, you want to make sure. Well, I don't want to be taken advantage of. So did the employee actually show up? Did right. they go to a real nonprofit? Right. Yeah. 
yep. can you get it verified? And and honestly, at ten dollars an hour to twenty dollars an hour for my mm-hmm. volunteering, it's not worth the trouble for me to turn it in. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we see so much of these done in a day type employee volunteering programs or these great photo ops of this whole team with the same color t-shirt and they're digging in a ditch and that's tends to be the poster child for employee engagement is that best practice is that what you're seeing in the field does that work it is best practice it does work and it's really important i'll tell you why because only 26.5 percent of us americans or you Americans, because I'm kind of Canadian, volunteer. I mean, most of us don't volunteer. We have no experience whatsoever with volunteering. So we need a great first opportunity. It needs to be easy to get into, easy to walk away from, no long-term commitments. I always tell people, if you ask someone to come to your event every Tuesday for the next six months for two hours to work at that mentoring program. I I mean, I get why nonprofits do that. Right. But that's like asking, you know, that's like showing up on a blind date with a prenup. (laughs) I was going to say, this all sounds like a charitable one night stand that people are looking for. Yeah. That's what listen, give me a chance to, yeah, I need to fall in love. I want to find it. Are you right for me? Is this a good fit? Do we got chemistry? Same thing applies. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is, but is this, I mean, is that the gateway experience? Because I think you have a lot of people saying that doesn't make an impact. I mean, I get what you're saying that you kind of need to hook people and you got to get them involved and interested and liking and feeling like this is something they can affiliate with. But is that the end goal? No, this is the hard work to make impact. You, you have an employee base that has a very little experience with volunteering. And those that do have experience with volunteering, they got something else going on already. So thanks right. for your opportunity at the company, but I've already got my gig. Right. So we need to grow more volunteers. We need to increase the civic engagement um, of the population uh, of this nation. So the way to do that is to give up op- these opportunities for people and then develop them. Give them more opportunities to go further, deeper, get in a pro bono, get in a skill base. But asking for that right off the bat, bat is lazy. It's yeah. just that is you're just taking them away from something else that they're already doing. Let's grow a new crop of volunteers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really takes time. You know, Chris, do you think uh, an employee's commitment to an organization begins with that maybe that initial contribution through payroll deduction and then maybe the follow up to that as a matching gift? Yeah. So, uh, you know, giving is interesting because um, Americans give more, are right. more likely to give than volunteer. It's it's, right. it's it's easier. So it is a bit of a gateway thing. I'll tell you two things that will help you with your giving program. Mm-hmm. It, it, they're both part of what we call the proximity effect. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one is task significance. So I need to understand how, and this applies basically to all of life, but I need to understand how writing this check or making this donation is going right. to create a benefit. And then right. the other one, and this is really key, mm-hmm. introduce me to the beneficiary. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me see a picture. Let me hear a story. If I can't meet them in person, let me watch a video. Do something. Uh, Adam Grant wrote a great book, Give and Take. Mm-hmm. Uh, in it, he cites uh, some work that he's done, some studies that he's done. Uh, you can increase it by like 14% your your impact uh, by just introducing people to the beneficiaries of the gift. Yeah. How do you, you do know, that in those done-in-a-day events then? Oh, get people to volunteer alongside the community they're supposed to be helping. Invite mm. the community out to volunteer. Mm-hmm. This is about empowering both sides of the equation. The volunteers who've never done it before but can make a contribution. And the people you're helping, I mean, they have something to contribute to. 
So create space where that can happen together. That's the most powerful. And, you know, it, it really goes to speak to that the essence of a nonprofit brand, too, is, you know, having an impact, but being able to communicate that impact. And that's what employees want. Employees are the same as donors or supporters or what have you. They want the same type of experience, though. They want an organization to have an impact, and they want it to communicate that impact so they know what it is. Absolutely. The, yeah. the end game in this whole thing is to change the minds and behaviors of an entire nation. If you want people to address poverty differently, homelessness differently, the environment differently, then we have to change hearts and minds, not give people a bunch of tasks to do and think we can check off a box. Yep. Yeah. Now, let me ask you something, Chris, and this is really related to some of the work that uh, Megan and I do. You know, when it comes to like when it comes to like programs within a business, like a point of sale program where you have employees uh, asking the question, do you want to donate at all? I mean, one of the things that I know is that 80% of the employees will never ask consumers the question and you raise all your money from those yeah. 20% who are real believers and stuff like that. Now, there have been some incredible examples, though, of like, for example, Shake Shack and No Kid Hungry. Uh, they have their second campaign going on right now. But last year at just 10 locations with Shake Shack, their employees got so behind the program, Chris, they raised $135,000 in just 10 locations. Wow. You That's know, amazing. And it, and it just goes to show, I mean, have you seen other examples of that? Have you seen any other research that shows about how employees can be more active in the workplace if they're in that consumer setting, raising money for good organizations? Well, it, it's a great question, Joe. And yeah. What is this? Is this Shake Shack? Is that who you Yeah, Shake Shack. And they're actually just open a location here in Boston. I'm going to go visit it because, like I said, they're doing the No Kid Hungry. But the, it's pretty much up and down the East Coast where they have the locations and stuff like that. And they're a busy, they're, uh, well, I, I, they're kind of like a, a America's Burger stand, you know what I mean, in terms yeah. of what they do. But see, one of the great things that they did was I think they made it easier for their employees to ask the question because they offered, for every $2 donation, Chris, they offered uh, $5 shake for free. So there was a great oh, okay. incentive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there was wow. a great incentive. But you know what it is, is that makes it easier for the employee to ask the question because they're obviously no getting more positive feedback. And, you well, know, I think in so much interaction with causes, that's what employees want. They want a positive interaction. They want positive feedback. Interesting thing about that. They turn the customer into the beneficiary. Mm -hmm. You know, you give me two bucks, I'll give you $5 worth of free product. Mm. Right. So the task of offering all mm -hmm. of a sudden, I understand exactly what I'm doing and I yep. can see the beneficiary. Yep. And I know in my mind that two bucks is going somewhere good. So as right. long as that, like like I say, those two elements of proximity factor are in there, uh, proximity factor in there, you're good to go. So I often, when I go to grocery stores or whatnot, and they say, do you want to give a dollar what to whatever? I say, <laughs> I'm likely to ask, okay, can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah. And they'll say, no. <laughs> <laughs> one of those people. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> I, you know, I, it's hard for me to get behind it. If you're pitching me something, you don't know anything about it. So I, again, if your employees have never seen anything about it, haven't heard the story, they're just told, do this, they're not going to, it's not going to work. 
Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I, I think is interesting about Shake Shack and other people that have done really well with point of sale programs is they have done a good job educating the workforce. Like that was right. one of the things that uh, share our strength, which is actually the folks, of course, behind No Kid Hungry did with Shake Shack is they went in, they talked to their managers, they talked to their employees about what No Kid Hungry was all about. So they got them really fired up, uh, which I think is a, an important prerequisite for raising money or, or employee engagement. Yeah, I agree 100%. That needs to be a factor. Well, Macy's does a good job with that as well, getting their employees engaged and talking about that proximity piece, which I think is interesting. And I think it's fascinating how you kind of reframed Joe's model of Shake Shack as the customer, as the beneficiary. Mm, that is, yeah. But to Macy's model, they really work really hard to bring nonprofit organizations, nonprofit beneficiaries into the Macy's stores. They bring mm -hmm. Macy's employees out to do different things in the community and they really localize it. So that's an interesting point about proximity because Macy's raises a ton of money and it's that whole piece of getting people engaged. Mm -hmm. My yeah. question for you, Chris, is do you see, you and I've had this conversation before, but since the last time we had this conversation, have you seen anybody doing a good job with that employee engagement piece in a way that that does exactly what we're talking about, that kind of touches that consumer piece as well, that better integrates all of those things, which I personally feel like should always be integrated? Yeah, this I, I have to get this question. And I I know I can I can occasionally remember one-off examples of where you can see that. Right. But it's just it's just it's like the Wild West out there. You know, we're just sort of figuring this all out. Mm -hmm. Um I like full disclosure. Microsoft is a client, but Microsoft does do a good job of and is in the process of doing a better job in their citizenship work of um, of aligning those two things. We're a software company. We give away the software. We're trying to create opportunities for youth to get active in the community or to get uh, opportunities uh, like jobs and good careers, um, education. So they they do do a good job, and they, they I mean they're very diligent about it. Um, but it it's I, I think I'll have a ton of great examples, Megan, in two years. Give me twenty four right. months. I'll have some great examples. Well, we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna hold you, you down. To yeah, we're gonna hold you. You know, it's interesting though, Chris, because my expertise and Megan's expertise too is cause marketing. And I'm you know, because I'm writing this book, Fundraising with Businesses, I've had to learn more about corporate giving. And uh and whenever I see a company excelling in a particular area, Microsoft usually tops the list or is pretty close. If every company was like Microsoft in its giving and in its citizenship, would we have any problems to solve in the world? Uh, yeah. yeah, because you know what? Microsoft needs to work with other companies to make to, to fix these issues, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, IBM goes to Ghana, uh, Pepsi goes to Ghana, yep. but and the Ghanese are left with uh, programs to implement, but the, there's no continuity. Like n the problems that they're facing in Ghana are not, you know, fully solved by one company or one right. brand right. with yep. one set of resources. Yep. So we need a mechanism that allows a number of different companies across different industries to to work with these governments to solve problems for local populations. And that's really not in place yet. We're hoping to see something happen in conjunction with the UN uh, next year, um, yeah. which is cool because that'll provide, uh, it's not going to be a conference, but it'll be a mechanism where we can create some, um, a, like a table where we can all pull up a seat and, and begin to work together on some of these issues. I think, I think that's a great, you've sort of led into a great question. Where, you alluded to this several times, where is employee engagement going? When you see 
the writing on the wall when you say, okay, two years from now, this is what's going to be happening. This is what's going to be happening. I mean, what what's the common denominator there that needs to happen or that you feel like is already starting to happen that will move this forward in a significant way? Yeah, that's a good question, Megan. So right now it's a practice in search of a theory. So mm. a lot of companies out there doing it because you, you intuitively know it's the right thing to do and you know there's some there's some benefit, but there's not a lot of external evidence speaking to that. Not like other areas, like sustainability areas, like transparency or ethical sourcing or risk mitigation or governance or those kinds of things. Um, The other thing that's really uh, missing, so so we need some good theory, and which also is we need some good data um, mm-hmm. and not just companies sort of saying, here's what we're doing and reporting in a good third party and longitudinal right. investigative data. The other thing that's uh, I think needed is we need to elevate the conversation right now. It kind of sits about on the same level as casual Fridays. You know, it's a, it's a nice benefit to the employees and it makes everybody feel happy, but we're not going to really fund that area of too much. You know, grants gets still a lot of attention, grant making, and it should. Mm-hmm. Um, CSR, other aspects, like I mentioned, get some good funding, and they should. But this is kind of like uh, the redheaded stepchild uh, in many companies. Um, many companies, hundreds of thousands of employees, they got one employee with a $50,000 budget and they're charged with mobilizing that entire base wow. global workforce. It, yeah. it, and it, So we need to elevate the conversation to the C-suite level. Mm-hmm. And right now that's not happening. Mm. No. Good do, you, stuff. do you think that there's a movement afoot to make that happen? I mean, is there... Are, is there any progress? Is there any hope? I mean, clearly you're being brought in to help strategize around this area. But I mean, are you, well, you, know, are you seeing is, signs that it's moving in the right direction, it, that there's it, people are paying more attention? It, it, you know what it is, though, is I think as, you know, this this idea of corporate responsibility, which has already become embedded in so many ways, it becomes even more important. I mean, it strikes me, Chris, like employees are a powerful cannon for companies to yeah. show people what they're doing. You know, yeah. and, and so they're going to get busier with that. Yeah. So your CSR program is only going to be as believable as your employees right. are able to, you know, they're going to, they sell it, mm-hmm. right? You can build it. They're going to sell it. So if they're not involved, um, then it's kind of, it's going to be anemic or it's going to at least plateau. You'll have some arrested development in your CSR program. So engaging employees is a great way. They put a face on it. You can mobilize them globally. They understand the communities they're in. They can really make some impact. And again, we go back to the original conversation. We're changing hearts and minds and attitudes towards some key social issues so that long after the program's over, you get people who have a different attitude and different perspective are willing to invest and mobilize their entire social network. I mean, social capital, you cannot access it any more effectively than by mobilizing your employee base. So I, I think it's huge. And project or, or initiatives like we're looking at doing with the UN next year, uh, that's what's going to create a bigger stage and elevate the, elevate the conversation, mainstream the conversation. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. Last question. So skills-based volunteering, what's your hidden skills-based volunteering? What's the place in an employee engagement program? And is that, it feels to me like a little bit of a buzzword, but is there momentum behind that? Yes, define it for us too. Yeah. Well, that's what I think is, isn't that just pro bono work, Chris? Oh, sorry. I was on mute. Ah, that is a great (laughs) question. 
Ah. <laughs> Skill-based and pro bono, uh, there's a lot of overlap, but uh, there's a distinction that most people would make. Uh, Skill-based is when you go and you volunteer and use any skill. So I may be, you know, a data technician or a surgeon, but I play a mean guitar. So I go to the local Boys and Girls Club and I play guitar for one of those events. Mm. That's a skill. It's skill-based volunteering. Now, most companies couldn't give, you know, a hoot about your guitar playing. They think it's neat, but they don't care <laughs> about that. They want you to apply workplace skills right. in your volunteering. So if you are a financial auditor, how can we use that to create big impact with nonprofits. Now, and that all makes a ton of sense. The problem is most people in the financial industry, the last thing they want to do on the weekend is do more work for yeah. free. There's a way around that. You get people to fall in love with that Boys and Girls Club. They will want to bring the best of who they are. And if they happen to be you know, great with dollars, that's what they'll do. But you need to give them space to do that. Just opening up the opportunity to use their skills is not the right way to do it. Right. Pro bono then tends to be more of that applied work-based skills mm -hmm. kind of thing mm -hmm. in the long term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that that's typically the difference that you'd make mm -hmm. uh, those two. And yes, you asked if it's, it is the hot topic right now. Um, and it and it is because it, it obviously yields a huge amount of results. There's the billion plus change uh, movement going on where we're looking to invest significantly in the capacity of nonprofits and the resources that are required in the community and companies have the ability to do it. I just go back to the beginning, which is let's get people to fall in love first. Let's give them a great experience and let's let this develop naturally instead of, you know, being a little bit lazy and trying to get to the end. <laughs> I know, and it does take time. It's incremental. Yeah, it it is. You know, we're we're talking about courting people and getting people to change the way they live, to schedule their life differently, to think about things differently, and that takes time. Just meeting people and saying, "Hey, you want to go back to my place?" That's that's not cool. <laughs> so it's almost so so Chris, you're like you're like the nonprofit love doctor. He is. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's good. I like that angle. Yeah, I actually you give know? it. Uh, volunteering is sexy and uh, that's right that's right absolutely you know you you should have that on t-shirts he did a, he did a really funny bit at i will say at business for better about that very thing and we will leave it at that and we will let people <laughs> let you tell us chris where people can find more about realize worth or you on twitter and anywhere else you live online so people can find you yeah uh, so it's uh, realizeworth.com you go there, you can find all of our social media sites. You can connect with me on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want. Um, and you can find a blog on how volunteering is a lot like having sex. <laughs> we will definitely link to that in the show notes. Joe, where can well, people you know, find I more about you? I will say, too, I've spent a, a good amount of time on your blog, Chris, and it really is good. There's some great information there. Absolutely. You've got some great posts. I've plagiarized a ton of stuff from it, so I'd want to thank you. <laughs> and uh, But it's really good. If I'm plagiarizing it, it's good. So yes. I really encourage our listeners to go take a look at that. If you want to look at that plagiarized work, you should visit my blog, though, <laughs> SelfishGiving.com, or you can find me on Twitter, at Joe Waters or on Pinterest, pinterest.com front slash 
Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can they find you? I am also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMS, CMF, I can't speak today, and blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at CauseUpdate.com. And you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. We do encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And on behalf of Chris and Joe and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us today for another episode of Cause Talk Radio. Thank you.